Games in the Book of James. And uh, I thought, given that we're doing sort of a, a baby baptism today, I thought we'd start with an African proverb, an African proverb. The African proverb is, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a child. Who's heard of this proverb before? Um, the proverb basically recognizes that history is hard work. In fact, all of us, when we were younger, we were hard work. I mean, some of us are still hard work, but especially when we were babies or children, um, we required our caregivers, our parents to feed us, to pay down nappies, to keep us safe from the big bad world. So it takes a village to raise a family. So you have godparents, you have grandparents, you have peers, you have teachers, um, not just to sort of share the load, but actually um, for them to develop and grow, it actually provides them relationships and kind of key ways to sort of grow well and adjust well into adulthood. Um, as we finish the book of James in chapter 5, James actually wants to say um, in the church family, it's, it's not so much it takes a village to raise a child, but rather it takes a praying church all of God's people. It takes a praying church to raise all of God's people, from our very youngest members like Ashley to our more senior members like Pastor Ian. So um, the goal today then from James 5 is that God would teach us not just to become individual prayers, but to become a family, a community which loves to uphold one another that God enables us to do that. So would you please stand? Uh, our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the opportunity to witness and to partake in today's baptism of Ashley. Father, would you grant us today um, the power to become more of that family that loves to commit and come to you to pray, because I don't know if, um, uh, about you, but um, some of the things he's been saying, persevering through trials, trying to use our tongues in a controlled way, doing the Word of God rather than just hearing the Word of God, putting God's plans above our own. I'm not sure about you, but who is actually able to do these things in their own power? The answer, of course, is no one, apart from the grace of God. So that's why James now fittingly comes to the end of his book. He's going to teach and instruct us to become a praying family. So come with me, James chapter 5 and verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. The first thing that James wants to teach the praying family is that prayer and praise is in all seasons of life type of thing. That is, we don't just bring our requests to God in times of help. We actually come to God with our joys and our delights and our cheer in times of comfort as well. So that is, as a congregation, as a family, uh, we don't need to wait for suffering to come before we direct our words, our love, our affections to God. So prayer is for all 
James doesn't say what to pray for specifically, but just to give you some fuel for your prayers the next time um, you undergo a trial or under some sort of suffering. If you just sort of glance back in the previous passage, you'll notice in chapter 5, verse 9, James says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Um, James recognizes that during times of suffering and trial, um, especially if it involves another brother or sister, he knows that you and I are very susceptible to complaining and grumbling about such things. So whether that person has contributed to your suffering, or whether or not they've just offended you in some way, or whether you just find them a little bit frustrating to deal with, James recognizes that grumbling is part of the way that we operate as humans. So can I encourage all of us, as I encourage myself, if you are undergoing a type of trial that involves another brother or sister, um, as you pray for your own patience and endurance, and I encourage you to set aside some time to pray for that person in particular. Because if you sort of leave it, it tends to sort of bitterness, suspicion, and distrust begin to breed. But in God's kindness, we can say, I'm going to pray for this person. He can actually do a great work of helping you not just feel, um, not stop feeling ill feelings toward them, but actually use those prayers to grow them as well. The second way that James trains us to be a praying family is to teach us that prayer is a family affair. So come with me, chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So there's this situation in the church family where there's someone who is ill, perhaps they're seriously ill that they can't um, leave the house. Perhaps. So James says, call the elders in. They're going to come and they're going to pray for him, anoint him with oil. So as a very sort of main point, James wants to first say that prayer is actually um, a family sort of affair. When we um, suffer, we suffer together. And so James is encouraging us, um, invite the whole family to pray for you. Now you'll notice there that he specifies elders. Now these are like the leaders of the church, people like you and myself, um, or even uh, mature Christians in the congregation. Now it's not that the elders have some special level 10 prayer power, because you'll notice there in verse 16, what does he say? He says, therefore confess your sins to one another. So the whole family is involved and responsible for praying, but the elders, the leaders, do represent the church family and are to speak. So it makes sense to call upon them for prayer. It's sort of like meeting the parents. The first time I met Murphy's parents, um, I was meeting her brother as well, but the parents were sort of the representatives of the family. So call upon the elders, get the whole family involved if you are sick or struggling.
and in some way reach out. God's given us this resource as family, as believers, to pray for each other. Things get a little bit hairy when we get to verse 15. Because do you notice what he says? The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. You see the challenge of that particular verse. It sounds like he's saying, if you have a sick person and you get the elders to come in and pray for them and anoint them with oil, it sounds like there's an unconditional promise that God will heal that person. But you see the problem with that kind of verse. A number of years ago, um, there was a 16-year-old teenage boy. So 16 years old, and that's the time where you should be playing video games, eating your fresh junk foods, you're like having the time of your life. And yet, 16 years young, this boy was given a terminal case of cancer. Now, the thing about this boy was that not only did he have a genuine Christian faith, but I kid you not, he had an army of faithful men and women praying for him. Anglican ministers praying for him. He had a grandfather who's a well-known um, Christian man praying for him to be healed of something. His grandfather even said that at one point he asked God that he would take some of the years of his own life and add it to his legacy. And yet, one year later, the cancer did not leave his body, and the Lord took this boy. Sounds like that's what he promises in verse 15. Now, this is a difficult passage, but I think the answer to understanding this verse is in this phrase of prayer of faith. Um, in the book of James, the prayer of faith, I think, is actually um, not that you can pray with an extra level of power, but rather that you in line with the will of God. That you are not double-minded about the God who is in control of everything. As you submit to His will, that is what it means to pray in faith. So in other words, I don't think what James is saying here is that every pray, prayer that we pray for physical healing will result in physical healing. Rather, as we pray in faith, we trust that God's will is perfect and is not our own decision. If it is in His will, then He will bring healing to the cancer. My friends, that is a very difficult reality, isn't it? If some of you have been sick, some of you um, might be sick now. And it's in those very moments of sickness that you most desperately. Aside our own will, and actually stand, submit, and rest under His sovereign will. 
church formally, um, let's bring our request before you show up. But one way we, we actually pray for each other is that we pray knowing that God's decision may not be the one that we fall behind. And God's will may not be our own will. Where there's a family of prayer, and as a family, let us encourage each other to submit to the Lord. sort of determined everything to happen, then why ask him to do anything? Can prayer actually do anything? And that is why I think James, as we as we enter the passage, introduces us to the Old Testament example of prayer. So come with me to verse 16. The end of verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like James wants to pick up about Elijah is that his prayer was powerful and effective. In his prayer and through his prayer, God changed that which we know is unchangeable, the very, we've experienced it this last month, the very weather itself. Elijah prayed and he caused it to stop raining, and Elijah prayed again and he caused it to rain. So praying us to not pray, actually. James wants to say that because God is in control and because His will will succeed, we ought to actually pray. For it may be the very will of God to use your prayers and my prayers to bring about change in the It reminds me as well of the end of Job. You know, we studied Job at church a few months back. And at the end of Job, um, God instructs Job's friends to say a prayer for Job. And God says, after you pray, I will accept your prayer. That is, prayer was the very means through which God used to bring forgiveness. So pray in line with the will of God is to pray knowing that prayer is This is an incredibly important reminder for us in a time now when we, um, where we're very dependent on the latest vaccination data and the next booster dates and the latest case numbers. Because as we depend more and more on medical experience, it's very easy to think of prayer as a sort of sentimental nicety. It doesn't do that. No, but God wants to say,
doesn't take a village to raise a village. It takes a praying church to raise all of God's children. I hope you've seen that in today's passage. The prayer is powerful and it's a gift for us to use. As we finish the book of James, I actually skipped over an incredibly important detail in the text that James finishes with as he comes to verses 19 and 20. So come with me, verses 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders foolishly if someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wondering will save his soul from death and recover a multitude of sins. As we direct our prayers to God, and as God trains us to be a praying family together, on God's part, more than anything, is that His children, you and I, are steadfast in our love for Jesus and our obedience to Him. Ashley is going to be prayed for a lot as she gets older. We are going to give prayers to God that Ashley is safe. We're going to pray that she is confident as a that she doesn't get hit up or a bus of kids. But more than all those things, I think James 5 wants to say God's deepest concern for us and God's deepest concern for us is that we might not wander away from the truth gospel. The life-giving good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is what um, unites us and what guarantees the eternal hope of salvation for all people. And that's why James says, um, confess your sins to one another. When you're physically sick, examine yourself and ask yourself, is there a sin that I'm undetectable? Because it may just be that God is causing your physical sickness due to the unrepentant sin. It may be that. But we must ask those questions because God's deepest concern for us as a family is that we would stick to Jesus